Hi, it's Brent Pope here again, uh, doing my fourth podcast in the series, and I'm delighted to welcome uh, Seni Narupu, um, who has got a story similar to mine about coming to uh, Ireland from New Zealand. Of course, she's well known in sporting circles and rugby circles, having represented uh, all codes of uh, Irish, from rugby to the sevens to touch, but we'll talk about that a bit later on about the state of the uh, women's game or something in, in Ireland and, and worldwide. But first of all, I kind of want to take you back a few years because our upbringings are similar and it, it has more similarities than you think because I grew up in Ashburton and they used to say about Ashburton that the two most boring places after Ashburton was Timaru and Omaru. So you grew up in Omaru. You were born in Dunedin Hospital, presumably, or were no, you born I in Omaru? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, but firstly, thank you very much for inviting no, me. No, delighted. Incredible to, to be here. Um, born in Wellington, actually. Yeah, born in Wellington? Born in Wellington. I okay. moved down south. Uh, my mum and my siblings at the time were in Dunedin for a bit, and then and in Vicargo. But I, when I was... So most of your younger days were spent in Omaru? Yes, and okay. I grew up in Omaru since I was like two. Yeah. yeah, and I was watching another uh, interview you did a few years ago. Um, single mum brought four girls up and four siblings, four girls and a brother, was it? Or three girls and, and my brother. And a brother, yeah. brought up by your mother single-handedly? or? Yeah, um, yeah, pretty much, and, and with the help of my auntie Tima as well, yeah. and uh, you know, their community of friends. Yeah. Um, they started a... Pacific Island community group in Omaru, in Omaru back in the day in Omaru and um, that was pretty, that was actually really cool because as you know it takes a village eh? and uh, we were fortunate to sort of grow up with not just my nuclear family but you know my cousins, um, my auntie and then the wider kind of community of Pacific Island kids. Um, yeah, I, I, I talk about that in, in a bit but um, so where did you go to school then in Omaru? North School was my primary school, yeah. and Waitaki Girls was Oh, Waitaki Girls. Yeah. Okay, so that was where your rugby started, because Waitaki Girls and Waitaki Boys were quite strong rugby-wise, even though people that are watching out there, Omaru is a, a, Omaru is a small place that most people would just pass through, a bit like Timur and a bit like Ashburton, on your way from <laughs> Christchurch to Dunedin. I know you have the Meraki Boulders and that, then you have that restaurant now that woman opened up miles yes. and back and beyond this very that's become world famous but you know the big the big games of rugby played between schools would have been Waitaki boys you know Otago boys high um, Southland boys high something like that so your love of rugby started at school or earlier started yes at school but earlier from watching my brother yeah. And his team, North Otago and Old Boys, Ormadu yeah. Old Boys back in the day. Um, and then when I went to high school, when I was 13, I, I started playing. Oh, so then you started playing. Because the game was alive, the women's game was alive in New Zealand. You used to see, often they used to go down the park in the weekends and see, in those days, before, before ahead of its time, you'd often see young girls playing with, with young boys or something at under fives or under sevens at club level or something like that. So what was your club? My club uh, back then was, it was called Whitestone 45ers. It was attached to <laughs> Athies, Athletic uh, Athies, because yeah. uh, there was no women's old boys, you know, in terms of that club, which um, 
uh, Old Boys was one of the sort of yeah. family was attached yeah, to that, yeah, yeah. and uh, Whitestone Forty Fivers was my first club. <laughs> I was thirteen years thirteen years old. I say thirteen years old, but when I say my age now, I say my age young. Yeah. But um, I remember very vividly. I was playing with the woman. Yeah. Like I was the youngest in the team. Oh, youngest um, in the team. But um, yeah, started to get involved in school rugby as well. And. I'm just trying to think of that time because a friend of mine that I used to work with in the, in the freezing works and grew up playing rugby with sort of put North Otago rugby on the map, Glenn Moore. Oh, uh, yeah, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn was a kind of a, uh, went to, to went to Ashburton College that I went to and the same age as me and then he went on to, he, he started, for people that don't know Glenn, he ended up coaching the New Zealand women's team but his kind of foray into coaching was with North Otago and he brought a lot of he brought a lot of Polynesian players in, actually, a lot of Fijian players, especially, to, to sort of propel North Otago up. So, okay, that's just an aside. So then you went from there to Otago University? To went through your school years, yeah, Waitaki school, Girls? Yeah, school years. And um, yeah, on that note, in terms of Glenn Moore, he'd yeah. be a good, uh, you know, sort of, he, he was, I think he, he was excellent when he was in there yeah. at that time. And the yeah. way he brought the... Um, or amalgamated, you know, that sort of sense of community with the Pacific Island no, boys and the locals. Well, and it was the first. It was actually, yeah, he did a huge, um, he actually did um, galvanise it. He did. At the time and what it's become now, it's the fastest growing. Yeah. Well, you know, if people, people won't, unless they're watching from New Zealand, they know where Amaru is. You've got a picture of kind of a sleepy town that a coach came in and suddenly you saw, uh, say, Samoan and Fijian players around the town because they always used to, when I would, when I was always coming from when I was at university like you at Otago University, when you're coming from Amaru, I always used to remember the dairy on the corner because they used to serve great pies. Oh, so yeah. that was where everybody sort of, that was the sort of corner shop where everybody it was on the main road, right on the corner, and everybody used to stop off there. The buses used to stop off there, and every but every time you go through there, I'd either see Glenn there and some players, and I, you know, there'd be a lot of Fijian players or something that would, would they love their pies, mm. you know, but. But uh, yeah, Glenn did great things with it. I think that North Otago, they won their division at that stage for a couple of years in a row, and they went up. Mm. But uh, yeah, he knew how to connect with the with yeah, the, knew how to connect with that with, with the community. So you know, your love of athletics and and, and rugby and all, all sports uh, took you off to study health sciences at Otago University, where I was as well. And I just asked you about the halls of residence because, again, people have to realise that Otago University is a bit like Galway. It's, it's, it's the sort of hub of university activity mm. from drinking to studying. Uh -huh. um, I had a flat there with, I, sh I, I shared with 10 people called the Pig Pen on George Street. And oh, you're at the Pig Pen? The Pig it's Pen, world famous yeah. Said, uh, <laughs> yeah, world famous. Dunedin famous. World famous said, for famous. our toga parties That's right. that we used to have every year. <laughs> so where did you flat? So I flatted in, uh, I actually, the first year I was in Northeast Valley. Northeast Valley, yeah. oh, so you were a bit out a of... A bit further out, yeah, yeah. and then moved a bit close onto um, Dundas Street like, later Dundas, on. Dundas, yeah, later no, on. It, yeah. Sort of, yeah, moved in different as, as you do with the, as yeah. you kind of go through. But I actually, straight after high school, actually, Brent, I went to, before Otago yeah. University, I, before I picked up rugby at 13, I, basketball was my first sport. Oh, okay. So I actually went to the Otago Institute of Sport for oh, basketball. Yep, yep, yep. I went there for basketball first. Um, and then that's when I changed my sport to rugby. And then I went to uh, Otago University after oh, okay. that. Okay, so yeah. you're basketball. Like, yeah, yeah. I know where that institute was too, yeah. I think, because I think John Haggart was involved and another teammate of mine. 
But uh, so great years, weren't they? You know, you look mm. back and you, I know people always say, oh, you know, you look back on your life. Something. But those years in Otago University, around the university scene and the social scene and the sporting scene must have been fantastic. Yeah, no, it was. And um, for my year, when you leave high school, I think I was like, yeah, I was 17, like a yeah. young kind of, yeah. when you're in the tertiary level. So I just loved, you know, being able to play sport and meet friends and do all of that sort of, you know, life experience at that time. And tell me, coming from, coming from your f uh, first generation New Zealand born um, Samoan, was there much of a Samoan community in Omaru and then Dunedin? Yes, it wasn't massive, but yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, as you know, Omaru, yeah, 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 yeah. uh, uh, back then, you know, there were very few we very few. Samoan families. Yeah. We, were, we were essentially one of the first of the, you know, few yeah. Samoan families and Tongan and Tokelauan and all, you know, a lot of the other yeah. uh, Pacific Island families are there as well. Um, and in Dunedin, we have family there too. So yeah. I had a community there but as well. Yeah, but you make a good point because when I think I, when I first started playing for, uh, you know, Otago University and Otago then, other unions, Auckland, and that would have a number of Samoan players, but, you know, not so in, not so in Dunedin. So I'm not saying it was unique because you, you saw Samoan players playing all the time, but you didn't actually play with them at that level. But then that came through in, in later years. But so how did you find, obviously, you know, we'll talk about racism there because racism isn't alive in New Zealand, but how did you find growing up as a young Samoan girl in New Zealand? Did you have any, you didn't have any difficulties or encounter yeah. any? Uh... That's, a, yeah, that's a good question, because um, as we mentioned before, I grew up in a predominantly yeah. European-based... No, absolutely, Caucasian. Yeah, you know. Caucasian. Um, and that was school. Small town. Yeah, small town. Um, and so in some ways, it's probably a testament to the community that I was brought up in or, or the environment mm. of like my siblings and my cousins and mm. our peers for the community, Pacific mm. Island community, and my mum and my aunties and that, that I had a sense of feeling okay about who I was yeah. growing up. Yeah. Um, but certainly there was an awareness that I was definitely different. Yeah, but you weren't conscious so much that you looked different or you were a different skin colour going to you know, Waitaki girls or whatever like that or... I know. was definitely, I was absolutely conscious that there's probably like three of us, <laughs> yeah. you know, dark girls in this yeah, big... Yeah, that had a good tan. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, absolutely. Like I, I was very well aware of that. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't focus too much energy on it. Um, yeah. I did get that sort of, you know, name calling from a very young age yeah. from, but, but mainly from kids who yeah. I also knew had their own issues anyway. So, yeah. so it, it was no, one of those no. things that I didn't have to... But it just it just brings me back because because I went to... Before I went to Otago University, I went to Lincoln University, which oh, was the agricultural oh, side of, of, of Canterbury University. But I remember having a Māori friend there. Uh, Del was his name. I can't remember his second name. But he was one of the only... He was one of the first Māoris to go through kind of university system. And... His excuse always used to be when lecturers would say to him, Dale, you haven't 
handed in your assignments, you say, oh, trouble at the Marae, sir. You know, that was always his excuse <laughs> because he knew that the lecturers wouldn't want to go into that argument. He oh. said, oh, I, I, I couldn't attend those exams. There was a bit of trouble in the Marae. I was called back to the Marae. Of course, they said, oh, well, okay, Dell, that's fine. I said, Jesus, talk about milking it. So yeah. off you go to, to Otago University. Um, and did you play rugby there for their women's team or? Yeah, yeah, I did. University Blues. Yeah, University Blues. Yeah. Right, well. um, so that, that was, yeah, that was brilliant playing yeah. for, for them. Down to the gardens after the mat. Was the guardies going there? Yeah, it was going then. Yeah. yeah. As I was kind of winding down in Dunedin, that, that's when it kind of closed and then opened up again. But um, yeah, yeah, guardies were still there. Um, yeah. The cook was on the and cook, live yeah. and all that. Um, <laughs> Great. Bowler. <laughs> Great bar yeah, the bowler only came, but you always used to be the cook and garden, which were, for people again that are listening into this, were, were two sort of university dominated pubs in kind of an area, you know, where you could walk to stumble to yes. both of them. And everybody flattered in that area of, of, of town, and mm. it was a really good vibe, and people really in Dunedin really welcomed, a bit like Galway, they welcomed the student population, you know, but uh, rather than reject them. So moving on then, so then what when you when you graduated presumably you graduated um i actually did i, I promise <laughs> i graduated but i actually changed my degree after the health okay. sciences yeah yeah i um because at the time I was navigating a number of different uh, things but uh, i changed my degree to marketing and communication and, then and were you the first afterwards. just going back to your siblings were you the first of your family to go to university no my um Sister Hannah went to university. Oh, okay. All of my siblings have gone oh, okay. to tertiary education. Brilliant. But um, your mother did a great job, didn't you? Oh, raising your girls. I went home. Uh, well, the last time I was home a couple of years ago when we called yeah. um, Christmas. Um, I was walking in the lounge. I was like, "Wow, Mum, you're amazing!" Yeah. It has all our degrees and our masters and no, our but up well, there. You know. It's funny. Um, uh, yeah, she's 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 super. Oh, isn't well, she? that's no. She did a fantastic job. Oh. I mean, you know, because it wasn't it wasn't easy. I mean, people would look and say. You know, because she was obviously she was obviously born in Samoa, was she? And then she came over and then brought you girls up and your and your brother and 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 didn't you do well? I mean, you know, in a sense of chipping you off to university and the sacrifices she had to make in early days around work and stuff like that. So I'm Aww. sure it's very emotional for you to think that she raised such a family. But um, thank you, Brent. I really yeah. appreciate that. Um, yeah, my siblings are incredible. Oh, I'm still learning. Oh, I've got to, but uh, my siblings are incredible. Like, yeah. Yeah. My mum. Are you involved in the church? Are you religious? Yeah, I am actually. Yeah. I um, I don't speak about it much, do I? I uh, I'm very faith driven. Yeah. Absolutely. No, that's nice. But yeah, a, lot, yeah, a, a, a lot of I the am. Polynesian community are. Yeah. And why I asked that it wasn't just a flippant question. It was just a question. That's a question I asked Rob and George and and that. But but I know that a lot of the. When I describe Polynesian rugby players, even doing it yesterday, I said, you know, they're built for rugby, you know, from a male point of view. I mean, they've done studies to say even their bone density is stronger. They're built for rugby and they're the most aggressive players on the field. But off the field, they're the most humble type of people. They always greet you with a smile. <laughs> they're, you know, they're just as likely to be on a guitar 10 minutes after the game. And I think of players that were sadly lost, you know, in the last couple of months, Inga Turgamala, who I, who I played against mm. and with, you know, Jonah before that. They're such, a bit like you, and it's a compliment, they're really humble people off the sporting field. Aggressive and competitive on it, but off the field, humble, 
God-fearing people that have family at the at the centre of their lives, and and that's the same story that you have. You know, this fam, this wonderful family that achieved so much. Your 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 faith plays an important part in your life, and probably in your, in your mother's life as well. And that's a lovely thing to say, you know, about about a community of people because you're very community uh, community driven. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I saw. It <laughs> means an awful lot coming from you. I always, I always laugh when talking about Polynesian players too, because when they used to get the gear bags, you know, like it, gear bags used to come when you get all the sponsored product like Adidas, and you get the boots and that. You'd open up your gear bag before the start of the season, and you'd have, you know, three or four pair of boots sponsored by Adidas or Nike or whatever these, all your gear, your, your number ones and that, but. All the, all the Polynesian players used to come back about two, two or three days later and say, I need more gear. And you say, well, but we gave you all this gear. And they say, oh, you know, I had to give that to my cousin or something like that. I sent a pair to, to somebody else. <laughs> so they run out of gear. It was just that, fa it was that wonderful family orientation that the first thing they did was give their pair of boots to their brother or, or, or whatever. So that was wonderful. So, so then you changed, you played rugby for a few years then for, for Otago and Otago University. And so then when did you meet your husband, George? I met him in Dunedin when he was at the Highlanders. Oh, okay. But I had moved back to Omaru for, yeah. for a couple of oh, years, okay. actually. Yeah, yeah, I moved back. Yeah. To my, oh, was it a year and a half? Might have been, um, which I actually loved. Yeah, I was going to say, it must was, have been a big change. It was actually probably... It was just such a, yeah, that was a, an interesting time. Um, Were you working back there then? Yeah, I was, I was. I was sort of straight out of university and went home for that kind of year and a half. And then uh, I met George in, uh, yeah, in Dunedin when yeah. he was with the Highlanders. And um, yeah, and then moved to uh, Hawke's Bay because uh, George was playing with the Magpies at yeah. the time as well with the Highlanders. So you moved to Hawke's Bay and then we'll get on. To, and then from Hawke's Bay to, to Galway, to Connor. Yes. Yeah. Very good. No, and I know more, but I think I was talking to you one time, but here's the connection between you and I, and not just, you know, Ashburton mm. and Omaru and, 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 and Tiger University and sharing flats, all those things, mm. and rugby and playing for the same teams at Tiger University. Mm. I used to take out a rugby team to New Zealand every year of young club players. So I wanted to give them experience of New Zealand rugby. And we spent, we spent three months of that time in, in Christchurch. And I'd put them in, in, in accommodation. In the weekends, they'd go out and play for different teams, be it Sumner or uh, uh, Old Boys or Marist or whatever. Like, it was a brilliant experience. And clubs bought into it because the clubs sent their most promising players mm. who had to be aged between 18 and 21 or something. So they had to be of a, an age where they could enjoy a drink because that was part <laughs> of New Zealand culture at that stage, uh, rightly or wrongly. Uh, but not too old that they had, had played in academies or anything. So what a club did, say, for instance, if it was a club like in Galway or it was a club like North Kildare, they would send their most promising player over on this tour, the Shamrocks. During the week, we would play as the Shamrocks against all the top schools, of which one of them was Christchurch Boys. Oh, so, okay, George can tell you this. Christchurch Boys High was coached by a friend of mine, a good friend of mine from school named Richard Taylor. Richard Taylor was George's coach at Christchurch Boys High. And I remember... I remember when George was, was young and was probably in his first year at, at Christchurch Boys High and he was probably 16 or 17. He was still a, a strapping young man at that <laughs> stage. 
But I remember the, the Shamrocks coming to me when we, before we were playing Christchurch uh, Boys High and saying to me they were a bit worried because they might bully the Christchurch Boys side, bully them. I said, okay. I said, let's just leave that out. Wait till you play them first. Well, I think Boys High end up beating us about 70 points to, 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 to 10 or something. And George scored, I think, three tries. And everybody <laughs> after said, oh, my God, this, this, this guy's only 16. And like he's running rampant. And I, I, I looked at the guys that had said to me, look, we don't want to bully these guys. And they were sort of flat out on their back after the game. And I said, now you know about New Zealand rugby. So that rolled on a bit. And then to such an extent it rolled on. I always asked Richard about how George was getting on because he was such a phenomenal player at that, that stage. But, you know, those players off the, the Shamrocks came up against players like Dan Carter and all these guys coming through the system. So then a number of years later, I got a call from the Connaught Rugby Union and saying, did I know of a player named George Narupu from Hawke's Bay at that stage? Uh, uh, and I said, is it the same guy that played through the school system or whatever, played for Crosses Boys High? And they said, yeah, they did. And they said, what do you think of him? And I said, he'd be a great buy. In those days, we we're talking about it was, a, it was a purchase. You know, they were buying a yeah, player. Totally. It was a professional yeah, game. Absolutely. I said, he'd be a great buy. And so subsequently, I'm not saying that I had everything to do with it. I think I need to officially thank you so for no, bringing no, us exactly. on. Then. So, <laughs> so I got that call. And, and I'm not saying that it, it hinged on that because I'm sure they would have got other people's opinions. But it also hinged on the fact that I said at that stage, yeah, I think Aww. he'd be great for, for Connacht Rugby. And, and he'll, he'll know those games. He'll remember those games. And he certainly remember Richard. So when you go back tonight, you know, to just say to him, look, you were talking about Richard Taylor, who was his coach at school. And so brought him through. I think Richard ended up coaching. I don't know whether he coached him at, at, at in the New Zealand schools or whatever like that. But mm. he certainly knows all about his project because he always asked about George. He said, oh. "Did you see George around?" I said, "No." I said, "But I'm interviewing his uh, his wife." So that's just You're the story. Incredible. Thank so you no, no, it's just Gosh, so. So I'm brilliant. somewhat responsible if you end oh, up in Galway. Thank you. Now, so you arrive in Galway, and a bit like me, it was a bit of a culture shock, I'm sure, for you in the sense of of of. I know times have changed, but uh, you fell in love with Galway like I did with Dublin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, we did. And that is, that just blows my mind. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, no, it's, it? it's, 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 it's degrees of separation. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> and it just shows how yeah. connected the rugby, global Brilliant. rugby family really yeah. is. So, yeah, thank you for your part and bringing so, us to no, Ireland. Because you, 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 you fell in love, I should imagine, with, 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 with the countryside and the people. Yeah, it, it was. So we came to Galway in December of 2009. Yeah. Short term gig, six months. Yeah, yeah. In and out, you know. Coming out of the sun, already, summer. Yep. Out of summer here. It was uh, just before Christmas. I yeah. remember vividly. It was like the 4th of December. Um, we came here. Georgia's first game, like the community kind of just were awesome. And then after the his very first game, we met a. A couple, um, their names Maggie and Anthony Leafy, they're married now, they weren't at the time, but um, she's Irish and he was from New Zealand. Yeah, I see. Nothing to do with her, isn't he, he wasn't here as a player, he was with her. And um, they were kind of the first uh, outside of rugby Irish family that we had met at the time. Mm. And uh, they invited us to their place for Christmas and we had the likes of Greg Muller, who's still here. Yeah, yeah you didn't know Greg. Yeah. And that sort of Connacht crew, Tim Allnut and those guys are still there. Yeah. And Eric Elwood was the yeah. coach at the time. Yeah. And it was, um, yeah, just just uh, an eye-opener to both how welcoming the rugby community was within Connacht Rugby as a team 
and the players as well. And then also the wider community yeah. that we kind of didn't know. Yeah. And they invited us to their, we were just, we just felt um, just really welcomed and yeah. embraced and we just naturally wanted to, um, you know, genuinely get to know and understand yeah. the community. And give something back. Yeah. Yeah, so a bit like me, short stint became a long stint. And I think people often ask me, and I think it's, a, it's the same answer you've just given me. I think it's the people and it's the welcoming because I, I spent my first season over here and then I went back to play another season at Otago and I missed my friends over mm. here. I, I got back to New Zealand and people said, oh, you're back for good now. And I said, no, I'm actually unsettled. I want to go back to, I want to, go back to Ireland. And I saw that as being my new home for mm. the next few years rather than stay back and Laurie Maines at that stage you've got the all black coach and you know career wise it would have been a good move to go back but I just fell in love with the people and 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 you know the social life and that was around rugby at that stage and, and um, I'm here ever since but mm -hmm. so then you obviously got involved in 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 the women's game in in Con at first or was there yeah. much of a the first six months I I joined Gorwegians. Oh, Gorwegians. Yes, okay. yes. Who had a women's was, team? Yes, they had a women's team, and coach at the time there, Marty, was super. He was welcoming the girls. That was the era of Ruth O'Reilly and yeah. that crew. Um, so I went to that club to kind of, you know, meet new friends yeah. and um, get involved. But at the same time, I, I kind of like I thought I was retired, like yeah. as in I hadn't really played yeah, yeah, for yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was just going for the social, yeah, you know. Still. Um, and that was the six months within that time. Um, then we went to Japan. Yeah. Yeah. On a on a, it was a originally a, it was meant to be a two year contract. Yeah. And uh, we went there for the year. Absolutely yeah. loved it. Loved yeah. just yeah, so though. grateful for the opportunity though. Like, yeah. and we just both loved it. George had been there for Sandro yeah. for a year when yeah. he was nineteen. Yeah. So he's fluent in the language, and it helped with our oh, transition. He's excellent at languages. Yeah. Um, and so then, after during that first year, we wanted to go back to Connacht. Yeah. We loved yeah. Kobe. We were at Kobe Steelers, yeah. um, and they were a wonderful club. And we had so just wonderful. But the draw players. was strong from 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 Connacht, and you enjoyed your time. So yeah, you came back. Yeah, he he wanted to come back. He felt he had more to give to the province, and just yeah. uh, just things had aligned. Um, Eric Elwood, Tamornat, and. Jerry Kelly was the CEO yeah. at the time as well. Yeah, uh, things that had lined and um, lovely guy, Jerry. Yeah, he's super. And there's um, Eric and, 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 and uh, yes, yes, yes. So then you came back and came uh, back. As I say, enough about George now. We've, we've <laughs> discussed him. He's not the interview. So you came back, <laughs> and so then how did your progression go then to getting your first cap? For did you go through the sevens first, or did you? So you were cap sevens first, and then or touch first, no. then sevens. No, so um, we came back uh, on a two plus one for George. I had no envisage. I I was not thinking I'm coming here to play. What's rugby. the two plus one for those people out there? It means uh, sorry, two, seasons, yeah, two seasons. One and, uh, added on if you were still performing or yes, whatever. Yeah, basically, yeah. Sorry, yeah. and um, I uh, literally was coming over, you know, as a supportive rugby wife. Yeah. yeah. And uh, at the time, I had a fitness business and mm. you know working around the community and doing a lot of charity work and things like that. And I, I loved it. But I felt um, I felt good and fit, and yeah. and then I just had seen this ad on Facebook, not an ad, like I saw a post yeah, from yeah, Irish yeah, Rugby. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was the road to Rio. It was a uh, the Olympic campaign. They're yeah. looking at you know talent ID. Yeah. 
And I thought, <laughs> oh my goodness, to go, you know? Yeah. I was like, oh, pal. Well, I knew I would be older than the other girls. Yeah, I knew but still, it. you had a skill set there that oh. was more advanced <laughs> than they were, you know? No, no, not at all. But I mean, I felt good to go. So I was like, oh my, enter this, filled the form and went to Old Belvedere to drive yeah. up to Dublin. And yeah. it was almost like, because I told you after high school, I went to the Sports Institute. Yeah. Went through kind of that whole process. Yeah, 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 academy type. And, you know, every year you've yeah, kind yeah. of been training. So I went there. It was almost like I started all over again. Yeah. Genuinely, that's what yeah. I felt like. I felt like if I'm going to do this, I have to mentally prepare myself that I'm going to have to go through it all again. And am I willing to do that to yeah. reach the goals that I knew I could achieve? That's just how stubborn I am. Yeah. And I was, I was willing to just do whatever it takes. So, so how long did that process take you then from going to Belvedere to getting your first Irish? Um, so the first Talent ID camp was in Belvedere, but we still lived in Galway. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't qualified to play for Ireland yeah. because we needed the three yeah. year residency. Yeah. So I was training for about two years knowing I couldn't represent Ireland. No, so I'd drive, from, I'd, I'd drive from Galway to Dublin like three times a week, Yeah. probably four sometimes for camps and things like that. Um, and honestly, like I know for a fact, girls would have thought I was crazy. I'm still, cra I'm still crazy, but um, I just knew that I had to just do this because uh, you know you only live once. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it uh, it wasn't sevens that I was captain first. So um, I was involved in the sevens program absolutely, mm. and really enjoyed the training and all that stuff. But it was actually fifteens was my first cap. Yeah. In 2015. Against. Italy and Florence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember that day. It was a terrible, terrible day. It was <laughs> conditions-wise. Yeah. Conditions-wise, but um, yeah, huge, huge honour that day. But how did you feel? Yeah, how did you feel pulling... I know people talk about, you know, your feelings of pride or whatever or of, of achieving, you know, to, to pulling on that jersey, mm. you know. Do you remember it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, on, on reflection, it was... I felt a sense of, um, yeah, pride and uh, privilege, not only to have put myself in a position to mm. represent the jersey and what it means and um, that 23 to perform for Ireland, but certainly for what it represented on the journey. Mm. Um, I'd gone through some things in my life before that, that um, was the reason as to why I thought I had retired back then. Mm. And so that sort of sense of self-belief and um, that moment I was standing there on the line and the uh, and the anthem made the kind of last sort of decade and a half mm. worth it. And uh, I, I felt a sense of um, responsibility as well to just perform on behalf of obviously Ireland and my community here in, in Ireland and also my family back home. Yeah. Which is really, you know, you know, I can see that it's emotional for you now. And I mean, I think it, it, it's a lesson for any young girl out there watching, a young woman watching that wants to get involved in sport at any level, not just rugby, is about it's, it's the journey, isn't it? It's, I mean, the years that you took and for thinking at one stage that, you know, you'd maybe finish rugby to get another chance and to see that post and say, hey, that's, you know, there was in a sense of reaching your goals, which is wonderful in sport. You know, that's what people should goal set and they should mm. have one of those goals of being reach for the stars. And your reach for the stars was, you know, I'm going to I'm going to work as hard as I can for the next few years. I'm going to get qualified. And then, you know, there was no certainties. 
you were still going up to training, not knowing whether you'd be selected. Yeah. And uh, and so come that day where you were selected, oh, yeah, it must have been very emotional for you. Yeah, come the day, come the hour, it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. It was very emotional. It's uh, something that um, I suppose you know even now is even just a privilege in terms of the people that I got to meet along the mm. way as well. Mm. Um, and then from the 15s, I then represented Sevens that, that same year on the circuit. Mm. Um, and then a little bit later on, um, gave touch a go. So yeah. I'm really, really <laughs> grateful for the opportunities to meet a range of different people. And so, look, I know I could, you know, I could, I could talk to you all day. I know you're a busy woman, you've got other... Uh, but where are we at? With the woman's game, I, I, you know, I know you. There's a disappoint. Is there disappointment in, in in missing out on the on the squad personally, or were you available at the, the, the Six Nations squad for yeah. this year? No. Um, or had that's you? A, that's a that's a great no. That's a great question. Yeah. Um, and I'll give you a twofold answer. Yes, one hundred percent, absolutely. I'm absolutely. You know. You, you trained for so many years for yes, you're disappointed, or yes, you were you were available. Y- yes, I'm for dis- selection. Okay. No, but like yeah. I'm, di- I'm, yes, absolutely. Any international would yeah. feel that sense of um, uh, self belief that you could do it. But mm. the other side of it is that I've always ever, I've always ever been of the pure reality that for me, I just wanted to be the best player I could be. And if that was part of the 23, that was the best 23 at that time to represent Ireland, then so be it. If it's the best 23 to represent Ireland and I'm not in it, so be it. So Mm. for me, I'm really excited at this campaign. And I'm really excited to see what the centres can do. And I have so much support and love and encouragement for them. And like I meet up, the the girls are incredible. They're messaging me all the time and they've got camp this weekend. And, you know, just... That probably means more mm. as well in no, terms I get of it. what they um, think. But um, but but look, I I'm still training away. Um, yeah, there's still, still, still tinged with a bit of disappointment. But I, I get what you're saying because a lot of players will say that their feeling emotionally or, or personally is that if they leave the jersey in a better place than they found it at a stage, that's all they can do is what they can do. Mm. And, and you've done that. Yes, you're available. And if somebody should call on you and say there's an injury, I'm sure you'd be straight on the plane saying, look, give it a go. But you've come to the realisation that, you know, maybe there's a, a new breed of player coming through that can learn from you and learn from your experience and that the, the I suppose, the future of Irish women looks bright. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've had a few conversations with Greg mm. McWilliams and um, and even within our Leinster hubs, the trainings that we've been doing. So, you know, there's uh, some conversations and communications going on, which is which is really important um, from that sort of, you know, player-coach relationship yeah. and motivation and morale. Uh, but certainly, you know, I personally... No, I'm not done yet. I've more to learn, more to give, a little mm. bit more to give. Um, but Coaching? Um, yeah, I, I, at the moment, like I engage where I can in the community, help with mm. the girls and uh, be present and things like that. And um, Coaching-wise, though, a lot of my peers are excellent coaches. I actually have been working behind the scenes, so I'm more mm. strategic um, sort of framework in terms of you know, implementing um, yeah, you know, from a, from from behind in terms of my role with international rugby players is mm. head should, head 
strategic projects and um, research, and okay. we work a lot together with World Rugby. So that's that's what I'm. And you do a bit in the media, and you, you have your own business, successful business in the health and fitness industry. That oh, I don't know. I sold that a long oh, time ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, so I've been uh, involved in sport strategy and sport management for oh, the last so okay, of years. Oh, so okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah. and because we, we had a season in with Harlequins and. Yeah, London, and we moved back in 2017 to Dublin. Yeah, so, so you're doing something around the sport, and 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 mm. and, and love it. Uh, you know what? As far as the what's next on the agenda for the for the for the women's 15s? I know I was watching the sevens; they had great performances there over the recent uh, months or whatever like that. For the 15s, I know last year wasn't a particularly good year you know, for results mm. uh, and the development, they had to, you had to sort of turn a circle and go back to, to square one again and, and, and building now. And that means building squad, it means building strategically as well. So where to now for the 15s game? What will be their, what will be their short term along, I presume the short term goals is to, you know, do as well as they can this season. Mm. But then missing out on the World Cup takes you out of that kind of loop uh, as far as planning is concerned, so we're, I'm trying to ask, I suppose, mm. where, where, where forward strategically now for the Irish 15s women's team? Yeah, you probably have to ask um, yeah. the powers that be here uh, within, you know, the administration within uh, Irish rugby in the provinces. But certainly, uh, it's not that we're out of the loop. There mm. will be obviously the regional competition, yeah. which is the Six Nations. Um, there will be a summer tour to look forward to for the girls and, and that will help prepare some of the teams going to the World Cup. Uh, before that, ideally, hopefully there's an Interpro window there mm. uh, for players to, to just get playing. The club game? Uh, club game needs to post go. that. Are you asking me what, what no, I well, think should happen? Yeah, in a sense. No, I, I get what you're saying about the about the the the, the women's team or i I, sh I should suspect their goals are to perform to get things back on the road for this six nations and then look at the tour and then look at different things along the way that come and come forward it's just unfortunate they're missing out in a world cup year because that's something to look forward to in a couple of years something to build to so they that's have out a, of the picture we have a the, the the country in general have a global competition to look forward to as well next year. Yeah. Um, it's at the same similar time to when the Men's World Cup is. So oh, okay. once we've, we've already launched the timing of the global window, regional windows in place, um, unions are out there preparing their pinnacle domestic competition, then the club game in between yeah. oh, um, regional. So everything's uh, yeah. lined up pretty well for, for the women's game overall. Uh, in terms of you know the plan and with Irish rugby, you might have to ask Greg and, and mm. the, the, the. Hey, I was the impressed with there. the final of the of the women's game, the Railway Union and uh, and Black Rock. Mm. That was a cracking game. It was a cracking game. That whole day was a cracking day, and um, fair play to TG TG Carhart yeah, as well for covered all for the, matches. the matches. And I and sat down and I was kind of <laughs> I was sitting down there and I was watching. I thought, you know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not surprised, but I just thought this is a cracking game, mm. and there was there was some great tries, and there was some great conversions. You know, like I thought, gee, it was a, it was a great ad. It was a great ad for ah, the women's game. Was. So they did super the girls. Fair, fair play, you say. Fair play for the GJ Gar for covering it, and and to the to the organisers involved or something. But anyway, look. I suppose we, we, we can let. As I said, I think I could, I could talk to you for ages <laughs> because there's so many similarities and. Um, 
as I say to, to, to people, you come across as what it says on the tin. I mean, you're a very humble woman. Uh, you're a high achiever. Um, I think that you have a lot to offer the girls coming through in a sense of experience and, and also your dedication. They're the messages that come from you to, to young ladies out there that want to achieve. It's about hard work. It's about accomplishment. It's about rewards. It's about never forgetting your family. It's all those things mm. that make a wonderful personality trait. So look, thanks for having a chat to me. As I said, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sorry it's a bit short. I think we could talk for, 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 for hours on, on your thoughts of the game, but uh, thanks for giving me the time and, uh, and it's been wonderful. And good luck for Aww. whatever you're gonna do in, in your life because I think you'll be successful. At Oh, Brent, honestly, it means a, a, an awful lot. Thank you very much no, for having me. Wonderful. Real, real honour to be here. Thank you.